This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm Ramia Amuthan in Toronto at AMI Studios, and Kelly McDonald joins me from London, Ontario, all the way over there, just a little west of us. And uh, I'm having a great time just preparing for the show, getting back in the vibes again. It's our second day on AMI-TV. And, of course, all of you joining us on AMI-audio, we appreciate everyone being here with us. Kelly, how's it going for you today? Well, it's excellent. Um, I will say, just that's the magic word, getting back into the routine and feeling a bit like a fish out of water. As much as, as we were preparing to go live, to do the, the show here in January, kick everything off and have fun. You know, you still, I think it's like they say in sports, there's nothing like actual game. You can practice, you can do all that, but when it's a, the real movement, the time of a game and the day of the game, your prep, your organization, yeah, the test is game day mm-hmm and with game day we still have uh, lots of you know different things going on that we're getting settled into understanding learning about uh, making into regular practice right so we're, we're doing it but we're doing it together so Kels maybe we can start telling people what's going on on today's edition of Kelly and Rumia certainly here's what's coming up folks Sometimes our animal friends are amazing, impressing us with physical or mental skills that we didn't even know they had. Vet Danielle Johnkind joins us to share some amazing animal stories. Also, Alexis Hilliard from Stump Kitchen joins us to talk about her YouTube channel. Plus, she's going to give us a live demo that we can enjoy during that segment when we talk to her. Karen McGee is with us today to talk about uh, her hobbies of children's books during our collections and hobbies segment. That will be later on in hour two of the program, Ramya. Absolutely, Kels. Now, you and I, we have some things we like to talk about in the first segment of the show to give people an understanding of things going on around the world. And I mm. like to pick uh, things that I find, you know, spikes my curiosity or just like, oh, I've been anticipating for this to happen. So do you mind telling us the first item that we have planned? No big surprise, ladies and gentlemen, because we, you know, this is something that she is always fascinated about. It's the royals, folks. Prince Harry's new book is on sale worldwide after weeks of hype. James Lawman, he reports outside Buckingham Palace. Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, it is out today. Now, this book was released early by accident in Spain, and so all kinds of excerpts have been making headlines over the last few days, but now finally you can get the book in its totality. I think it's going to be a big seller. There were bookshops here in London that were open at midnight to meet demand. Mm. Wow. Mm. Unbelievable, Ramya. It, it really is pretty amazing. And when you look at the memoir itself, Harry talks about the grief of losing his mother, yes. Princess Diana, of course. And he also recounts disputes with his brother, Prince William, and accuses members of the royal family of, you know, 
leaking stories yes. to the press, folks. Now, it's it's not timely because, of course, this has been highly anticipated, uh, I'd say all of 2022, since we started hearing about Spare, about Prince Harry, and everything that he wants to share with the public. But I think that every time we hear about it, Kels, we hear a little bit more of that juice, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, yep. first we started hearing about the alleged of uh, physical violence that Prince William was uh, putting on Prince Harry, and then now we're talking about Prince Harry's mother. Of course, we don't even know what else is in there, but the ghost writing, does anybody catch mm. that? The ghost written memoir, did we know anything about it being uh, labeled this way before it came out? I don't know. I This is the first time I'm hearing about it. But, you know, Royals, uh, fan or not, I really enjoy reading memoirs, so I am curious about this, and this is, of course, following the Netflix special on Harry and Meghan, and that was uh, followed after the Oprah Winfrey interview with Meghan and Harry, so there's a lot going on for people who want to learn more, but I'd say a lot going on for the royals overall. Yeah, for sure, and it kind of makes us get centered on, folks, they're average people with average problems. Well, okay, they're royals, so they're way above average because we'll make anything out of anything going on. Ramya, you also wanted to point out about the return of something pretty interesting, too. A major Hollywood award show returns tonight following quite a bit of controversy. After being in the penalty box for over a year over allegations of shady financial dealings and a lack of diversity among members, the Golden Globes back on TV tonight. Just tell me what I've done to you. On the film side, Colin Farrell's quirky dramedy, The Banshees of Inishirin, up for the most awards, eight, followed by the mind-bending multiverse thriller Everything Everywhere All at Once with six. Welcome back! Dorks. ABC's Abbott Elementary is the most nominated TV show. And be on the lookout for soggy stars. It might be a rainy but tented red carpet. The Golden Globes air tonight on NBC. Jason Athenson, ABC News. Now the, the only one, thanks Jason, the only one that I am even uh, really remotely aware of here in this list is Abbott Elementary. And that's because my brother says that I would love the show. I need to watch it. Uh, I'm going down the list of things that he has recommended me that I can't not watch. Uh, but anything else, Kelly, that's you recollect from this one? Not really. Mm. I mean, nothing. I mean, I'm like you about Abbott. I've heard tremendous piece of work. I don't know where I heard that from. We may have all been a, in a group conversation about it. Um, you, you know, it's, it's a darn sports guys. It's too busy watching sports and letting the world that's go right. by, you know, miss out on all these great shows. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I'm curious about how much impact, like when we say five years from now, what is something like the Golden Globes even going to feel like for us? Is it even going to make that impact that way it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. All right, well, we'll keep posted on that, but also taking a two-minute break, and then we'll keep posted on some amazing animals out there. Dr. Danielle Jeankind, our veterinarian, joins us every Tuesday for Ask a Vet. This is Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. nice to have a co-host that you can lean on a co-host as amazing as kelly mcdonald who's just absolutely there to pick up the pieces you know to hand me the virtual cup when i need a drink of water so kels it's so nice to have you around thank you for the 
support day in and day out. Tough segment one, was it? <laughs> <laughs> not with you. Not with you around, my friend. <laughs> uh, don't you love uh, technology? She's just oh, our best yeah. friend. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. We've been saying yeah. it all day and forever that technology is great when it works, but it really is a test <laughs> on uh, the tech and the co-host. So thank you. <laughs> it's called being ready at all times, broadcast radio students. Just note that. Be, mm -hmm. be ready at all times and don't cuss in front of your microphones. Uh, today, folks, every Tuesday at this time, we speak with our veterinarian, Danielle Johnkine. So let's bring her on in. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. So we welcome Danielle. Happy New Year. And of course, to begin the year, what an interesting discussion today she's unfolding for us. Sometimes our animal friends are pretty amazing, impressing us with physical or mental skills that we didn't even know they had. Sometimes they're funny, giving us a good laugh when we need one, right? I certainly know Ramya's uh, puppy pal out there gives us a lot as he co-hosts sometimes. Sometimes they're involved in those stories that really touch our heart, inspiring us to be better than we are, or galvanizing us into action to right a wrong. Now our veterinarian, Dr. Danielle Johnkind, keeps an eye out for these kinds of stories and is going to take us through some of her favorites today. So Danielle, of course, you know my favorite one. Uh, uh, let's talk about rats that have some really interesting jobs out there. <laughs> well, I, ha I had to put this one in there for you, Kelly, because I know how much you love rats. Oh. But um, there are, unfortunately, a lot of areas in the world where war has left landmines and unexploded weapons buried in the ground. And, you know, Thousands and thousands of people in the world are either injured, maimed, or killed by these devices every year. And these people aren't just soldiers either. Um, many civilians, including children and humanitarian aid workers, are killed as well. Um, and finding and removing these mines is difficult. It's dangerous. It's expensive, um, which means that a lot of them get left in the ground. Um, so... You know, enter a charity named Apopo, who trains rats to sniff out explosives. Now, why rats, you might ask? Well, rats are smart, of course. They're easily trainable with food rewards. And they're too light to trigger landmines when they step on them. So they can search an area the size of a tennis court in 20 minutes if they're trained properly. And that, wow. that same feat would take a human with a metal detector hours to do. So... Uh, one particular African giant pouched rat named Megawa was trained by Apopo and worked in Cambodia. And in his five-year working career, Megawa successfully discovered 71 landmines and many more unexploded devices. When he was four years into his working career, he actually received a gold medal from the UK-based organization called PDSA for his work. And he's the only rat to ever receive one. And the Apopo website said that by the time Megua received his medal, um, he had cleared the equivalent of 20 football, possibly what we would call soccer, fields of land of explosive devices. 
and I wow. was totally, pardon the pun, blown away. That's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, in defending my least favorite probably animal to talk about, the rats, I must say that one only assigned one of these uh, recognition, awards of a recognition, that, that seems very discriminatory to me. But especially that animal <laughs> that we know at least is so smart and in this case doing an amazing job. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, very much so. And the second story I have for you guys today was actually one that um, that CBC aired. Um, and, uh, you know, I think people can learn a lot about acceptance from this particular story. So there's a not-for-profit marine mammal research group from Tadoussac in Quebec, and they're dedicated to studying and conserving whales in the St. Lawrence River. And they happen to be filming drone footage of beluga whales when they made an amazing discovery and they found a narwhal. Now, narwhals are occasionally observed in the St. Lawrence, but are usually found over a thousand kilometers north of there in waters in the Arctic. And what was amazing about this narwhal was not just where it was found, but who it was found with, and that it was swimming along with a pod of beluga whales. Um, the researchers were able to determine that the narwhal was an adolescent male who was apparently just hanging out with a pod of adolescent male belugas. And he was filmed with them for three years in a row, indicating this wasn't just a random or a temporary event. Um, not much, of course, is known about how the two species interact with each other, but the drone footage suggests that the narwhal was behaving as if he was just part of the group. Wow. And, you know, belug belugas will communicate with each other with clicks and whistles like narwhals do, but we don't really even know if they speak the same quote-unquote language or if they can even understand each other's communications. But, you know, I'd, I'd hazard a guess it must be possible for them to learn to communicate with each other if a pot of belugas would just kind of adopt this narwhal as one of their own. I thought wow. that was a really cool story. Yeah. I wonder if he got caught up in the pod somewhere else before it got to the Gulf. Because you'd think the water alone would be too warm for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will confess that marine mammal biology is not my strength. I don't provide veterinary care for marine mammals, but, you know, I uh, I think that, uh, you know, there would be other people in my field with that specialty who, you know, would be able to answer that question, mm -hmm. but that's not me. Well, we talk a lot about unlikely friends, right? And this is cool because it's unlikely friends, but all the way in the water, which we never think about that, really. But... Um... Yes, and you know, and and we have to think, you know, like we're we're not the only, you know, organisms that yeah. form bonds with other species. I mean, wow. you know, it's really it, amazing. It shouldn't be as surprising to us as it is, but I guess it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I never knew bees could count either. <laughs> and that is very true, you know, because animals are smarter than we think. So believe it or not, but there was a study published in April of 2022 in the journal Frontiers in Ecology and Evolution. And they were able to show that bees can be taught to distinguish odd numbers from even ones. Now, on the surface, this doesn't seem to be all that impressive until you consider that the concept of odd versus even is an abstract concept. So, you know, we, we know very little about the capacity of other members of the animal kingdom to understand abstract concepts, particularly insects. So you might also wonder why anyone might be interested in studying something like this, beyond that it's really super cool that bees can do this. But, you know, discovering how less complex brains can manage tasks like this, you know, can provide insights into evolution 
and you know they may be able to take some of those concepts and help advance technology you know in order to train things like artificial intelligence so mm. you know you would think this study wouldn't be all that important but in some ways it might turn out to be you know really important in its own right you know not to mention that it's just cool that bees are awesome <laughs> it is it is and yeah exactly bees are awesome and um sadly like all the things we have to talk about more recently about bees and becoming endangered and all these other things it's nice to continually talk about how cool they are now, yes yes we, of course, wouldn't be able to have a fulfilling segment about amazing animals if we don't continue <laughs> uh, uh, sparking our curiosities about what else dogs are doing out there. Yes, well, you know, dogs um, are being trained to help to save wildlife, believe it or not. So, you know, we all know that poaching of wildlife, you know, like elephant tusks or no horn and bush, you know, is a huge concern, especially in Africa when it comes to conserving vulnerable species. Um, well, solving the problem of poaching, of course, involves a lot of different strategies. One aspect of it is catching the people who are doing it and getting poached wildlife products destroyed before they can be sold for profit. And one big help in this fight is coming from an unexpected ally, so dogs. Of course, dogs can be trained to sniff out caches of guns, bushmeat and rhino horn hidden in the wilderness in buildings and in vehicles so officials can seize them. They can also be trained to track the humans that put the illegal stuff there in the first place, which can lead to arrests. So an organization called Dogs for Wildlife breeds and trains dogs for these jobs. And they now apparently have 12 dogs out in the field across the southern part of Africa. And the help these dogs are giving the anti-poaching strategies in the place, of course, has reportedly contributed to a major reduction in po poaching, which is really amazing. Amazing. Uh, lots of... I, I was. I knew she'd have something to say about the dog, so I wanted to give her room there to come on in and comment on her best friend, who should start barking at home loud enough to hear at the AMI studio in Toronto uh -huh. anytime now. Anytime. <laughs> uh, Danielle, sure. let's take care of the scary wildlife jobs for cats, maybe? <laughs> sure. So have you ever heard the expression, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog that matters? This is something that I've heard many people say to me. Well, you know, it suggests that attitude is everything, of course, and cats, as we all know, have plenty of that. Um, if you don't live or work with cats and you need proof, you can check out videos online of angry cats putting the run on potentially scary wild animals that approach them. Um, for example, you know, there's a man who lives in British Columbia by the name of Gary, and he went out his door one day in June to find a black bear in his yard. Um, between him and the bear was his cat, Tigger, and he filmed their encounter. And on the video, you can hear him trying to call his angry cat and saying, Tigger, come back, Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> he needn't have worried, though, because Tigger arched his back, poofed out his tail, and began stalking slowly toward the bear, which, you know, was a clear threat display. And unbelievably, considering the size difference between them, the bear decided that caution was definitely in order and <laughs> ran away from the cat. <laughs> It's all in the cat meow, growl, whatever you yeah. call it, that wow. You know, when they get doing that, it sounds like someone tuning up a guitar versus the nice little Well, in all the ways that I've heard how to get bears to get away from you, I never heard put your cat on them, but now we know. <laughs> well, and Sick I wouldn't recommend that because I don't think every cat is going to do that, <laughs> to be true. honest, you know, That's for right. your That's cat true. safety. Yeah. But if yeah. it just happens that your cat, you know, happens to run into it through no fault of yours. <laughs> Instincts, right? Wow. <laughs> That's right. 
And wow. another uh, cat with scary catitude, you know, went even more viral down in Louisiana. <laughs> um, his name is Muggsy, and his people run an alligator boat tour business. And Muggsy has become something of an internet celebrity because he defends his turf from the pesky alligators in the water. And I don't think I've ever seen a video that scared me as much as when I watched Muggsy attack these big alligators who came up on shore and driving them back into the water. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. That, oh, that's, that's like amazing. Like herding sheep. Jeez. I guess so. And after all that work, you go and lounge in an octopus's garden. Uh, what about smart octopuses out there? Well, you know, octopuses are amazing animals that live in the sea, but apparently they're also extremely smart, too. Um, if you have any doubts about that, you know, you can check out a documentary called My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. And this is an amazing story about a filmmaker who is struggling with some mental health issues, who ends up diving in the ocean and develops this relationship with a wild octopus. And I don't want to ruin the surprises in it for you, but suffice it to say that I found it to be just an incredible story, and extremely touching in many ways. I laughed. I was utterly fascinated by this animal, and I even cried at the sad bits. You know, um, another really fun thing for octopus fans is Octolab TV, which rescues octopus from fighting fishing catches, sorry, and gives them a home. Mm. Um, you can send in a request for them to give the octopus residents a puzzle to solve. And as long as it's ethical and won't harm the octopus in any way, they'll run the challenge, film it, and post it for fans to watch. And I think my favorite was the octopus escape room challenge. So. They put a special underwater escape room in their tank, and they had to solve a puzzle of sorts to get out. And they were timed to see how long it took them to escape. Wow. Um, the one labeled very difficult for the difficulty rating took the octopus just over six minutes to get out of it. Oh. Now, I oh, remember trying smart. an escape room yeah. myself once. <laughs> me too. And it, we had an hour to get out, and I had five oh, people my. helping me, and I never made it out. Same. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Danielle, we'll give you a whole week to get back here and carry on and uh, with your wonderful segment that we enjoy every week at this time, Danielle John Kine, weekly, right here for Ask a Veterinarian on Kelly and Rumya. Thanks. Unbelievable escape room in six minutes talk about some smart octopus coming up next after a quick two minute break we're talking to saul who's a real estate agent from exp realty he's explaining the necessary steps with purchasing and selling a home we'll be right back on kelly and Ramia. stick around and learn something new kelly and Ramia return with more in a moment If you're joining us on AMI-TV, welcome. Welcome to Kelly and Remya. If you're joining us on AMI-audio live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, welcome to you too. We appreciate you joining us for the two-hour show where we talk to all kinds of people and find out some fantastic information. Speaking of information, let's talk a little real estate. There are so many events affecting our real estate market. And for me, living in the center of Toronto right now, I think that that is absolutely fair to say with the ups and downs and the, is this right, is that right? And how do we project any of all this? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. Kelly McDonald and myself, Ramia Amuthan, are welcoming in Saul, who is a real estate agent from EXP Realty, to talk a little bit more and find out all the answers to our anticipated questions. Saul, thank you so much for coming on, Kelly and Ramya. Kelly and Ramya, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. We're talking about my favorite topic, which is real estate. 
Amazing. Okay, well, I don't know if it's all of our favorite topics, but we definitely have a lot of questions uh, going into it. So before we get into real estate, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Give us some background on your work. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a real estate agent for over 12 years. I, I'm actually licensed in Ontario and British Columbia, so I've sold hundreds of homes in both provinces. Okay. That's amazing. Wow. Because you look at, uh, like, those are two places where there are pockets where um, the price is amazing, the highest in Canada, and other pockets in, 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 in those provinces where I'm sure things are reasonable. But we're hearing so many different things now as it comes to uh, purchasing a home, and we'll get into that. So let's start with the things people should consider, Saul, when they're wanting to purchase a home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the biggest investment somebody's going to be making. So there, there's yeah. a few considerations that I recommend to buyers that if they're thinking about buying a home, uh, first thing is the location. You want to make sure that it's in a location where it's going to service you. Like, for example, near transit, near shopping. If you'd like to be in a rural area, so you don't you want to be looking at homes um, in, in more of a rural neighborhood. Um, you also want to look at the condition of the house. Um, do you want to get a house that's a fixer upper or do you want something that's move in ready? Um, the size is also important. Did you want to get a house that's, uh, you know, a three bedroom, a two bedroom? You got to factor in what's your needs. Um, as well as the, with my clients, I look at potential for appreciation um, because mm. in the, maybe you might want to sell or upsize. So you want to factor in like, is this going to be easy to sell if you decide you want to get it out of the house? Um, as well as financing. The financing is the biggest headache right now is uh, trying to pass the stress test and being able to uh, absorb all these interest rate hikes and uh, future planning. Do you, do you want to have kids in the house or are you looking to downsize in the future? Do you, do you want to avoid stairs? So these are some considerations. So a good real estate agent would guide you on, on those steps. Yeah, I think everything that you mentioned is very, very important. And I, I think of, you know, my past uh, experiences talking to real estate agents, exactly how you said, and wonder, you know, how many of these people considered all of this on top of or in context with disability, right? Disability awareness, accessibility needs. Um, and when I say, you know, location matters, why may it matter? And in what uh, ways does it really matter in terms of public transportation or uh, being able to, you know, find your house in a residential neighborhood, et cetera? But interesting. So once the person has determined some of these things, like the house um, size and the location options, what are some other things and steps involved with purchasing the actual house? Well, the other step involved is, uh, I mean, you, you need to find a real estate agent. Um, you want to make sure that you you trust an, an agent to help you with your biggest investment. So a lot of people start online by searching for, for the realtor um, or through recommendations. Um, the other step when, when you do end up making an offer on a home is a, is a home inspection. So that, that's one thing that uh, you would not want to miss out on. You want to make sure that you have a condition on your home for a home inspection, especially now that the market slowed down, that you could actually put conditions on your property. So a home inspection is important as well as financing costs. You want to make sure that the home that you purchase will appraise for the amount that you're buying it for because the values have um, changed from the highs in March of 2022 in February till now. So you don't want to be overpaying for a home. Mm. So that's why a good real estate agent on your side is really key. So before we get to the inspection, because I want to follow up on that, tell me, is there 
when you talk to people about homes or recommend, go look around, see what you're interested, see what you need, see what you want. Is there that list that real estate folks will point to and say, check that out because you will notice that increases the value of a house, i.e. the price of a house, uh, such as is a multi-storied building obviously you're going to say there's more space and everything like that I get that but is there certain things that you would look at that either depreciate a house or at least make the price a little a little less or increase it I know when we say oh it has a swimming pool well obviously you're going to get a little more yeah. too but what are some of the, the key three or four things that you tell people that people get all excited about and you say well hold on a sec you know it's like the the building yeah. you higher you go the more expensive yeah, exactly, Kelly. So I guess what you're referring to, like, is what are the things that you should look at if you're buying a home? Um, as far as in a house itself, I always recommend make sure that it has enough washrooms in the home. Um, you know, usually people like to have an ensuite bathroom in the house. That helps uh, as far as resale value and appreciation. Um, as far as a basement, um, now that the government has introduced the Ontario government to Bill 23, which allows you to um, build a secondary suite. So that's another potential. If you have a basement, you can definitely look at legalizing it. Or even in the backyard, if you have enough space, you can even put a coach home or a lane house uh, in the back. So it provides accessor, uh, it provides uh, additional income. So these are things. Um, the rest you could probably uh, modify, like the flooring, the carpets, renovating the bathrooms. Um, I'm hoping that answers your question there, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. It just one. I just wondered: is it that kind of thing you warn people with, or say, "Hey, here, go and look, and you'll get an idea how much more it's going to cost." Um, what steps are involved in that home inspection, and why is it so important to have it done? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, home inspection. Uh, I mean, you, you find a home inspector, you put a condition in there to get that inspected. Um, it's important to get that done because the inspector will look at the outside of the house first. So they look at the, the roof, the foundation, um, see if the house is uh, not sloping or anything like that. Then they go inside the house and they check uh, things like uh, mold in the attic. That's really important uh, because most homeowners that are selling, they don't really go up in their attic, so they don't really know what's in there. So I've had uh, inspectors go up there and find mold inside the roof sheeting. So that's mm. really important thing to um, want to have an inspector inspect. Um, behind the bathroom tiles, there's always sometimes mold um, that you can find. An inspector finds any moisture behind the walls. Um, they look at the electrical system to make sure that there's nothing uh, funny about it. Um, the plumbing to make sure there's no leaks. Um, the uh, roof I mentioned as well. Um, so yeah, these are the main things that uh, the inspector will will draw up. It'll it'll actually um, highlight all the necessary uh, items that need to be addressed, and it could be also a bargaining tool. So if you did find something in the home inspection that needs to be addressed, um, you can ask the seller to to do it or have, get a reduction in the price. So it is a small fee compared to what you're going to be buying. You're buying a million or you know whatever price you pay, but it's a very small percentage and. Typically, home inspections cost uh, around four to six hundred dollars. You know, so it's not too too expensive. But if you're buying in a rural area, then you want to get a specialized inspector that knows about wells and septics and water quality. Mm -hmm. So that's a different type of inspector for that. So is anybody holding us to that? Holding us to an inspection? Is it technically mandatory? Do we need to be able to provide as buyers? By the way, we're going to get into selling soon. But as buyers, are we? You know, if you don't get an inspection done, is it just on you? Your cards to play? Well, unfortunately, yes. Uh, the the government has not made it mandatory yet to do a home inspection. 
Um, but I would suggest, uh, you know, if the buyers definitely consider doing that. The Also, the real estate agent should uh, advise the buyers to make sure that they do get an inspection. Um, in other provinces, like in British Columbia, they just recently introduced a three-day cooling period. So that hasn't come to Ontario yet, but that gives the buyers time to back out of the deal within three days. So that mm. might come to Ontario. But right now, um, if you if you don't get inspection done, you're just opening yourself up to um, expensive surprise later on. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds very scary to to kind of leap into it without an inspection. So what steps, yeah. let's flip it a little, what steps are involved when it comes to selling a home? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Selling a home is very stressful, first of all. So it, uh, it it is not an easy process. It's complex. So, But what I recommend is for my sellers or whoever's thinking about selling is, first of all, just get the house ready. Get the house um, looking at its best. Start by decluttering um and before that, actually, you should uh, figure out who you're going to be hiring. So maybe get a couple of real estate agents to come in and, and evaluate the home. It's usually free to get a free valuation. Um, they will give you tips and tricks on what to do and most importantly, what not to do to your home to get it sold for the most amount of money. So some people you know, tend to do uh, extra renovations or paint the color of the walls incorrectly when they should actually um, get advice from a, a real estate agent. And then, uh, you know, we bring in the stagers, they give you a, a free consultation, Some well, not free, but sometimes uh, it's included in the package with uh, the commissions. And then, uh, yeah, you list your home for sale, you allow showings, they come through the house. Um, what we actually do is we even do a pre-inspection of the home. So uh, when I list the home, I, I get my home inspector to make sure there's no um, hidden um, defects in the property that uh, we need to be aware of. So we basically want to nip it in the butt in the beginning to make sure that uh, there's no mold in the attic. There's Everything is going uh, correctly with electrical plumbing. There's no leaks or any moisture problems. So that'll hinder the sale. So you want to make sure that when a buyer buys your property, um, they, you know, they're going to probably put a condition on there for inspection. You don't want them to walk away because of a small thing that could have been fixed when you prior to listing the home. Right. Yeah, you allow showings. Yeah, and then after that, you're going to be negotiating the offer with the buyers. You have the move-out date, and it's uh, basically those are main steps of, uh, of finding a home. And you want to make sure you get at least, um, you know, hopefully 60 to 90 days um, time to find a place as well. So that's important right. to negotiate in your contract. Yeah. Saul, is there a, a time that is best to put a home on the market? Well, yeah, that's a good question there, Kelly. Um, it, it's typically historically spring and summer is the best time to put the house on the market because it's it shows its best. It's it's warmer weather. Most families want to be looking at homes in the spring and moving in in 60 to 90 days in the summer just before school starts. Um, but every situation is different. So if you had to right. move because of a job, then you you, you know you got to list at any time. Although um, the summer and spring is the best time, so I would say you know, between middle of January till about May is when, when things are, are heating up. There's going to be more buyers. There's going to be a quicker sale of your home. Um, however, there's going to be more competition as well. So just be aware of that. But also, if you look at listing it in the, in the fall season, that's the second best time. That's when a little bit less competition. So your home will stand out a bit more. But I've sold homes all year round. So it really depends. There's always death, divorce, um, job relocations, upsizing, downsizing. So that's uh, hopefully answers your question. Mm -hmm. And we don't have too much time yet, Saul, but any quick thoughts on the new home vacancy tax and how that's affecting house 
houses and sales? Oh, yes. Well, you know, with 400,000 new immigrants coming uh, last year and potentially more, uh, we need more housing. I think this is a you know, hot button topic, the, 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 the home vacancy tax. But it's uh, it's requiring all homeowners uh, in Toronto to be uh, uh, declaring that, um, which I think it's good. You know, it's uh, it's definitely going to be something that's going to be implemented uh, probably in outside of Toronto as well, just like it has in, in British Columbia. Uh, there is a penalty if you if you uh, are not exempt from this, um, so which is one percent of your current value assessment. So I, I think overall it's going to be a you know something that is controversial, but. Um, you know, with mm. all the new people coming in, there's got to be places to, to for people to stay. It's not going to solve all of the problems with housing, but it'll it'll definitely help a little bit. Yes, I hope it'll make a difference. Saul, thank you so much for joining us, for taking the time, and for answering all of our questions. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. Saul is a real estate agent from EXP Realty, which you can Google EXP Realty, talking about the necessary steps for purchasing and selling a home. Taking a break and coming back with Alexis Hilliard from Stump Kitchen. This is Kelly and Ramia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI. Thanks for joining us, Kelly McDonald in London, Ontario. Ramia Amuthan here at AMI headquarters in Toronto with that nice set that I'm just getting comfortable in out here. Uh, Kels, you know, I've been taking a lot of these fashion inquiries from staff around AMI because I'm not, you know me, there's no secret. I love my sweats and my hoodies, but uh, here <laughs> on TV, I'm like, uh, wearing a scarf on top of a blouse right now, my mommy would be proud. <laughs> All right, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Yes. It's you got to think about it a little bit more than we've been doing as as uh, you know audio broadcasters. And uh, I, I know yeah. the feeling, you know. Today I, I've got the black fedora on and uh, a light colored shirt here, just kind of taking it easy. And uh, this uh, golf shirt is is generally that style that uh, you'll Very see nice. me in a little bit, mixed in with the dress shirts and things like that. Sometimes it's fun, but. A lot of us know about, you know, kind of getting ourselves together, especially if we've got uh, something we're doing, maybe a YouTube show, mm -hmm. maybe something on TV. Uh, I'd like to introduce us to a, a guest joining us now, Alexis Hilliard, a social media influencer, YouTube creator, self-taught vegan chef, and entrepreneur. Alexis, welcome to Kelly and Rumya. Appreciate your time today. Sounds oh, busy. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you so sound like you keep here. yourself pretty busy as a person out there enjoying. Now, you are the founder of Stump Kitchen. Can you explain to the audience, what is it? What is that? Absolutely. So um, I was born without my left hand. I'm a congenital amputee. And I lovingly refer to my arm as my stump. And Stump Kitchen is my YouTube, my TikTok, my Instagram, all my social media around celebrating my limb difference and cooking with one hand and, you know, in a fun way, using my stump as a cooking tool. So that's kind of the whole idea around what Stump Kitchen is. <laughs> Amazing. Well, this yeah. is going to be really fun. And we're going to get a, a sneak peek of how you uh, do things. But I'm curious about not only where the idea came from for Stump Kitchen, but, you know, how that idea played into 
I'm not sure how you want to word it, but your self-acceptance, um, your love for your stump, for the way that you um, get to know yourself in the kitchen. How did all that come about? That's such a great question because as an adult, I think, well, actually, let me back up. When I was a child, my sister, who's younger than me, loved to play with my stump, with my arm, and actually came up with a name for him, which is Bebe. And <laughs> I would put on shows for her, like Bebe, and my, my right hand would be Biggie, and they would like play and fight, and she just loved it so much. But <laughs> as an adult, I kind of forgot about that childhood joy. Mm. And Stump Kitchen has allowed me to find that again. And especially now that I work with a lot of kids and youth um, with disabilities and limb differences, uh, we I get to find that joy again. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, but basically it came about because I became vegan and I also had a gluten intolerance. And I was like, I don't know what I can eat. I guess I better start cooking for myself. Right. Yeah. So, but then I found, oh, I cook in cool ways. Let's film it. So that's kind of how. It's amazing that things like that that can help others. Okay, that's wonderful. Of course, you know, somebody else is going to pick up and say, geez, I can use that. that that's my difficulty. I'll lend what she's showing me to, to what yeah. I do. But it's also that place for you to be, have so much fun and be in that happy spot. But I have to ask, do you get the questions, whether it's non-disabled people, I know as a blind person, and Rumi and I can attest to this, the questions we get or the hesitations or the awkwardness, maybe afraid to ask a question or unsure of, how can you laugh at yourself? That's You walked into that. Or, you know, when things happen, are those embarrassing moments that we share with people uh, and, and we know it's they're, they're uncomfortable. How has that been a, as an experience in life for you? And what has that contributed to what you're doing? Oh, that, I, again, another beautiful question. Um, and I think that, you know, when you have disability in your life experience, you're going to have weird questions. I, I think I've had tons. I've had the good, the bad, and the ugly from like, oh, strangers, strangers in the store just saying, I'm going to pray for you really hard. And I'm just like, what world do we live in um yeah. <laughs> or like just the, the utter pity um sometimes fear um so, oh i had a man in a cafe once say oh you're so beautiful but it's too bad about your arm and oh. but from that experience i actually I, I took that to instagram and it turned into this huge campaign we had mm -hmm. a hashtag called call to arms and all my limb different friends oh, um, yeah. and, and disabled friends were posting like beautiful stories and images of their bodies so actually something beautiful came out of it and i think um stump kitchen in a way is like a beautiful thing coming out of um well joy but also uh, adding humor to the mix because I think for me mm -hmm. as a disabled woman it adds um, a lot of beauty to my life to have that humor because there is a lot of crap as you as you mentioned yeah. so yeah. yeah well and the humor is what gets so many of us through whether it's the big belly laugh every day or just being able to smile <laughs> or that happy place as we, we talked about so tell us a little more about the content you produce Okay, so I love to, obviously, there's cooking at the heart of it, um, you know, making simple gluten-free vegan dishes. Um, I do a lot of work with kids, as I mentioned, um, and adults too, but I love having guests on the show. Um, COVID kind of made that harder, but hopefully I'm getting back yeah. into that. I also do a lot of like 
like funny things. Um, like I, I got this new um, bionic arm from a company just for fun. So I do like test videos on TikTok, playing around with how much my arm doesn't actually work for me. Um, uh, so lots of humor videos. I also do a lot of advocacy videos talking like helping folks understand how they can be more supportive of disabled folks, language they can use, answering their questions. So it's kind of like a, a like a, a fun, educational humor advocacy cooking show. It's like everything rolled into one. It's oh, everything. And I make a lot of messes. <laughs> it's everything, period. I mean, I, I love it. I love your content and I love your uh, your method and why you put the stuff up there that you put up there. And sometimes Thank it's you. just to be funny. But we're going to play some uh, video and some audio in a bit. But can you talk us through some of your adaptive cooking techniques? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, let me see. People always ask me like, okay, what adaptive tools do you use? You must need a lot of equipment to help you do what you do. And that's the, that is true for a lot of folks. Um, but in my case, I just used my stump as my tool. So um, <laughs> I use it to mash things. I, the first, the first time I juiced I a of. lemon, <laughs> <laughs> the, first thing, the first time I juiced a lemon, I cut it in half and I stuck it on my stump and used my the end of my stump, which is pretty hard and because it's a lot of bone, I use it as a juicer just instinctively. And that's when my partner was like, you gotta film that. That's like incredible. That's I was awesome. like, but so um what else? Yeah, just anything like a spatula to a masher, juicer, etc. Oh yeah, I love rolling I was um, gonna rolling ask. lemons to kind of juice, <laughs> yeah. uh, get the juice capsules ready. Yeah, and like stick my stuff in there. I love using it as a spatula for um, anything like waffles or pancakes because like who wants to dirty another dish? Mm. You know? <laughs> like why? <laughs> oh, I have this great technique um, that's being showed on screen. It's I call it the roll and peel where I put a carrot down and I roll it on the cutting board with my stump as I peel it as I go. So I don't have nice. to hold it. Um, and then wow. I just hold things in my elbow crook. Um, <laughs> And then I've gotten really good at holding like round vegetables like garlic or tomatoes on a cutting board so they don't fly away. That's mm. one of the biggest kind of barriers for folks with limb differences. So I have this technique for really squishing things down, um, not tomatoes obviously, but really squishing them down so I can cut them properly um, and using my stump you know, to smash a clove of garlic um, works really, really well. And then after you've got like, beautiful smelling limbs. I love it when they smell like garlic and onions. I know people probably don't, but I love it. It makes me feel so proud of what I've done. So, um, it stays with you forever. The it, smell it really of accomplishment. Does, it keeps yes. the vampires away. The perfume <laughs> yeah. of success. Yeah, exactly. I think that's just amazing. Wow. Um, let's let's actually show a little uh, of your work here. We have a clip here of you cooking with your friend and Stump Kitchen uh, guest uh, guest star Callie. Uh, let's check out how you two mash potatoes. Oh, do you love it with all the colors? Yeah, we should put like the purples, purples on top. It'll be like a little mini mountain rainbow. There we go. It looks so pretty. Do you know what we do next, Callie? Yeah, we smash them. <laughs> smash them like that. Yeah. Smash. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes your potatoes go flying when you smash them. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, that is having fun. Oh. That's for sure. 
Yeah, Callie was eight in that clip and she is 14 now and we're still working together. And I just adore that kid. And after that day together, she just like, we both just lit up like, like sunshine oh. to be in each other's presence because when you have someone that it shares a bit of your experience, mm -hmm. you just feel so seen and loved. And, and I think we're going to be friends Honestly, forever. honestly. And oh, that's why we beautiful. love our allies. We love talking community here on the show because it's true. When you can relate to someone or like this, do something together and just through that experience feel connected. It's so empowering. And also we love your tips. Like everything that you um, that we've showcased here on B-Roll but also that you talked us through is really, really fantastic. How much trial and error goes into your content? Every, all of it is trial and error. <laughs> okay. Everything, like... I, you were talking earlier about like wearing sweatpants and stuff. Like that's what I did day one. I was like, okay, how do we, I don't know, what do we do? It's like, oh, is this recipe going to work? I'm not really sure. I just, but I knew I needed to be yeah. fully myself. Otherwise it wouldn't be fun. So I wear the sweatpants. I make a mess. I don't do things perfectly. I allow myself to make mistakes and try new things. Um, so the trial and error is actually part of the whole show design. Um, and it, it just makes it more accessible for me and my guests. It's awesome. I love the sounds too. Like just the whole and the laughter, <laughs> that's magic. So I've got to say with using humor, uh, which seems to help, does it, when you hear from your followers, do they like it? Do they really live for it? And how do you, how about people who have their own stump that, you know, say, listen, man, I'm learning so much from you, but mostly I'm learning how to laugh. Yes, all of that is is so I was really overwhelmed when when you know I put the first episode out 6 years ago now and the comments started coming in from people and families being like, "Oh my gosh, my kid has a has an arm like you and we're we're doing your smash technique, we're making cookies or whatever." Oh, or you man. know messages yeah, or messages from people being like, "You know, your show like I used to hide my arm in my pocket all the time and because of your your show, I don't hide it anymore." And like that might sound like a small thing to some people, but like the like the daily stress of hiding a part of your body from the world. Oh God, is yeah, just awful, awful, awful. And um, so that was just like, oh my goodness. Um, and also learning from other folks with limb differences and disabilities, like how do they do stuff? Like I've got a friend who's missing a leg, and we've done some collaborations, and that whole process helped me figure out like, oh yeah, like you can actually do a whole recipe sitting down depending on how you arrange your kitchen and of course like for wheelchair users like that's really important so it's been a huge give and take learning experience and uh i just feel really lucky to be able to do it alexis wow. we feel lucky to be talking with you and i really yeah. love that your approach is to just put it out there just put it all out there and it's beautiful it's a mess <laughs> it's amazing tell us where people can find you okay they can find me on youtube TikTok, instagram Facebook and Twitter. I'm I'm really doing a lot of work on TikTok and Instagram and and uh, YouTube. Just stump kitchen, and there I am. <laughs> wow. Well, we appreciate you taking some time to join us here on the program. Good luck going forward. And uh, it sounds well. I think the best part of it is just keeping having fun. Alexis Hilliard, social media uh influencer a youtube creator self-taught vegan chef and entrepreneur talking to us about her channel stump kitchen right here on rumya and kelly and rumya
A whole other hour of the show coming your way. We're talking to Bella Strange about the shopping you can do in your stash. I'm really curious about that. Karen McGee is joining us for some collections conversations. She's talking about her children's books. We'll flip through that. And we have reporter Grant Hardy joining us next to talk about nostalgia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. This is Kelly and Ramya on AMI. And yesterday we were telling you about this dream big contest. The dream part is very important here. It runs until February 8th, 2023. So you've got tons of time to uh, go check out the rules and enter for your chance to win. Now, what do you win, you ask? You win a Temper Pro Adaptive Mattress, okay? And Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material to precisely adapt to your weight, your shape, and your temperature, offering unmatched comfort and support. For complete rules and how to enter, you can go to ami.ca slash krcontest. So that's www.ami.ca slash krcontest. And you have until February 8th to find out if you're lucky enough to get this Tempur-Pedic mattress. I think it's amazing that we had um, our guest yesterday talking about the temperature specifically you know how it cools you down how it warms you up depending on how you're feeling and what you need based on your room temperature and that is fantastic so check it out ami.ca slash kr contest kelly good luck folks we can't well, also no no we can't I'm, I'm trying to figure out how many how much of a distance in family you have to be, you know, before affected. So all your family members aren't saying, what do you mean? Well, you can't enter either because you're related to Rumya. Yeah. I also want to mention, Rumya, that I'm here, of course, in London, Ontario. Behind me um, is uh, the CN Tower over my left shoulder and the skyline of Toronto in a grayish uh, tint. So that's uh, what's behind me for those wondering. And I'm just sitting at a little table here in my office chair, raring to go as we uh, begin the second hour. Would mm -hmm. you share with people what your background and what your surroundings are over there in Toronto? Absolutely. So I am at the physical set here in Toronto at AMI headquarters, and I'm sitting behind a white oblong desk. It's in the shape of a very long surfboard. And behind me is uh, the whole set. Well, part of it is the curtain with the Toronto skyline on it, and then there are also some physical tall lit pillars in purple and white because those are the Kelly and Romeo colors. So that's awesome. where we are. Okay, so we have back on our friend Grant Hardy. He's a reporter in uh, Vancouver, and we're going to talk about something really curious and interesting to me. In our ultra-visual world, a picture we know is worth a thousand words for every vacation or friendship or romance or celebration. People snap photos everywhere to document their journeys through life, Kells. Uh, but as I said, Grant Hardy is here to talk because he wants us to know about the way that he documents these nostalgic moments for him. He likes to keep track of his past experiences, and he does this in an accessible way for him. Grant, welcome to Kelly and Remy. It's so nice to have you on. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, congratulations on the launch to TV. Thank you. Thank you. 
Now, I know we've been talking with you uh, over the last several weeks as we test, but I wanted to tell listeners that you will be on regularly, if not with the extra segments that we have with you like today. We will have you on Wednesdays and Fridays to talk uh, headlines that includes health and lifestyle and anything else making trends and cut for time on Fridays as we wrap up the show for the week. So looking forward to having many, many talks with you. Yeah, I'm just going to have to remember because, you know, I'm sitting here with my headphones on and chatting with you guys. This literally feels to me like we're still just on audio. Yeah. But now I'm going to have to remember not to do anything too cringy. Yeah. That I don't want going out into the TV because yeah. this well, is you're, totally uh... different now. Ex-ATW guy, AMI This Week fellow. So, I mean, we know, you know a lot of that, <clears throat> the do's and don'ts of TV. Ah, but you see, I had one thing that you guys don't have. I had a redo button. Uh -huh. I was just going to say, <laughs> they can, you could have simply take cut. Two. Let's take that again. <laughs> take 22. Definitely. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. But it's okay. You'll get used to it. But just, you know, if you're yawning because Kelly and I are saying something boring, we'll find out about it. That's all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put oh, that out on uh, Instagram. Hear that. <laughs> That'll be the Instagram 10-second yeah. thing they put out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of practice still needed on that one. But, hey, so talking about accessible journeying, can we skip it back a step and talk about why you journal to begin with? Uh, well, honestly, to keep track of memories, thing, those moments that uh, – I never want to forget. That would be one purpose, kind of like my equivalent of taking uh, photos. You know, people who are either uh, no longer with us or not close geographically, or I just don't talk to uh, very often. It's nice to be able to capture a bit of a memory of them. Also, because I'm just a very nostalgic person, and I tend to, uh, I don't know, actually, I was going to say feed on it healthy diet of looking back at the past but maybe looking back at the past isn't always the healthiest but i do enjoy uh you know kind of looking back at at my life and it helps me reflect a bit on things so i guess i'm a nostalgic reflective kind of person maybe a little too much sometimes I had a friend that, you know, if you ask them, how come you tend to walk around with this little tape recorder and so many cassette tapes? And they made that same point you did, that this is my way of keeping those memories from this event. I, I record it all, uh, if you don't mind. <laughs> and they didn't mean if you yes. don't mind in a snarky way. They meant, you know, ho hopefully you don't mind me, me capturing these moments this way. But that's a long time ago. Cassette tapes, real long time ago. What apps today do you use to journal okay. with? So for my text journals, I, I literally just keep my journal in like a Word or a Pages document, mm -hmm. keep it in my cloud drive. I, any organization scheme that you want is fine. My personal one is I have a folder for every year, and then I just name the document like 0109 for January 9th or whatever, uh, and just document there. Uh, for my audio recordings, I have tried a standalone digital recorder, but honestly, the phone is just so convenient for that. Mm -hmm. But you really, you can use any app, but the one that I've gone with, it's called Just Press Record. And uh, you can download that from the App Store, and it uh, saves your recordings right to your cloud drive. I can keep them alongside my text recordings. Why that one, Grant? Just press record. 
so it has a couple of interesting features. Uh, it does transcribe your recordings, not 100% accurately, but uh, reasonably accurately if you want to go search for a keyword. But the more important thing is a lot of apps for the iPhone don't record in very high quality. It's all set automatically. You don't have any control over the parameters and it records just one track. But just press record actually records in stereo, which mm. means that you have some separation between the left and right channels. You can crank up the audio quality if you want. Uh, and I really find that that gives me a sense of what environment I'm in, kind of the closest that I can get to looking at a picture because, you know, honestly recording like in a hotel versus at the beach versus in your your, your bedroom at home, where, wherever you are, it, it gives you the best uh, sense of your environment. Wow, put those headsets on, you feel like you're reliving and returning <laughs> to it. Um, so that makes me ask you, which ones for you are the recordings that you find most interesting to listen back to? Yeah, I'll give you uh, both for recordings and for text. And there are really two. There are patterns and memories. So memories mm. are the easy ones. I was just talking about this earlier. Right. Uh, you know, you're your vacation that you went on last year with your partner, your friend, uh, getting that recording where you're floating down a channel or you're on a wine tour or wherever you are to just say, hey, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. Uh, can get you through a cold winter night remembering about <laughs> your past vacation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> patterns are an interesting one for me because I find that it's an interesting way of uh, using journals to move forward. So if you have a pattern, of, for example, like worrying about certain things or certain problems keep coming up and maybe you figure out how you uh, resolve those problems uh, or just certain things that you didn't think you would enjoy that you ended up enjoying whatever it is it's an interesting way to like go back and be like hey this thing that i worried about for so long actually wasn't that bad after all mm -hmm. uh so for me i think everyone is gonna differ uh but but patterns are really a thing for me and also just those those normal things too those normal days where you're just doing everyday things. It's kind of fun to reflect like, oh, this is what my life was, you know, 10 years ago when I was in college. I know I'm interested in, uh, that you use the word patterns to describe this, mm -hmm. right? To Me kind too. of be like, oh, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've been harking about this for years and maybe it's time to move along. But it's true because you're really writing down, especially if you're doing, you know, feeling journaling or a stream of consciousnesses, you're really writing down what how you're feeling at the moment, right? And uh, going over that and reflecting later is, it can be very, very powerful. Uh, yeah, that's the idea. It definitely can be for, for me. Again, I know everybody is uh, different, but like, uh, you know, as someone who deals with uh, some anxiety uh, and some uh, some worries, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it's kind of a neat way for me to look back and be like, oh, this this actually was not bad. How can I take this kind of lesson yeah. forward? Or even the opposite, mm -hmm. right? Like that was a very difficult time in my life and life and I was able to uh, go over it, you know, and, and come over that hump. It, 
Last question. Do you take photos as well, Grant? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm just going to say this. I think everybody who can should take photos. Uh, if you can get something like Ira to snap them for you or a friend or family member, or just do your best. Uh, they can be kind of cool too. You never know. Maybe one day I'll be able to see them. Uh, but also things like the live photos, the photos with uh, motion where you press and hold and it, it moves. There's actually some audio that comes along with that too. Uh, it's a really fun thing to go through with friends and family as well uh, to see those photos you can label and tag them uh, as well so that you're looking back and you can see what the photos are and also it sounds a little bit silly but i do find some of the artificial intelligence features where you get people detection yep. face detection objects you know what like is it the same absolutely not but it does give you a little bit of a sense of what your photo album yeah. is all about. It definitely does. And if you're terrible like me at organizing photos, just uh, all the kind of AI support that you get, at least from Apple, just type in dog and everything that they think <laughs> there's a dog in will come up. So amazing. Grant, thank you. This is very thank insightful. You. Reporter Grant Hardy joining us from Vancouver and talking about how he journals in an accessible way. Take notes. After the break, we're talking to Bella Strange about makeup, tips, and skincare. We'll be back on Kelly and Ramia. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. You can catch The Pulse, which is a great show on AMI-audio, as well as available, available on YouTube as a video podcast. This Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific on AMI-audio, Joita Gupta, your host, talks about the Holland Bloorview Online Disability and Sexuality Hub with Dr. Amy McPherson and artist Wesley McGee-Saxton. Okay, that's this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific on AMI-audio with Joita Gupta. And like I said, available on your YouTube channels, Check out The Pulse or go to your podcast platform as well. I'm Ramia Amuthan, joining you from Toronto. Kelly McDonald joining us from London, Ontario. On the second Tuesday of the month, ladies and gentlemen, Bella Strange joins us with accessible makeup tips and tutorials. Bella, welcome. Nice to have you back to the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how long do we still have to say Happy New Year? I'm probably still going to be saying it in April, aren't I? At least I till the end of January. Yeah, I, I always try to figure out what the, um, and of course it would change every <clears throat> new year, what the ruling is on it, right? And, and I don't know what it is. So I think we try to carry it out to at least we talk to each contributor. Yep. Or maybe after the 20th, you start saying, because you know people are going to say, how long are you going to say that for? Uh, <laughs> But Bella, with it being a brand new year, and it kind of segues into it, should we be trying out a brand new look? I think absolutely. But I'm one of those people who's like, if you're having a bad day, start over again. Just It's the new season of your TV show of a life. Yes. Do a new look, new costume change, all of it. <laughs> I love that. 
But somebody write that. that it does make yeah. you feel good, though, doesn't <laughs> it? Though, like when you think about it, it a lot of time it makes whether it, if you're a clothes person, whether if you're you know adding a, just a different look in whatever way, it, it can really change a person's mood, especially if you're going through a, a, a bad period. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's lots of reasons why. You know, after a breakup, I chop all my hair off. You know, what a, it just happens. <laughs> That's coincidental. But the great thing about it being a new year and new me kind of feel is that you don't have to run out to the drugstore or to your luxury high-end places that you go or to your local warlock to get, you know, a potion. You can look inside of your house at what you already have and do something called shopping your stash, which is looking at what you already have and seeing maybe if there's a way to use it in a new look or in a new way. So can we talk about that? Um, mm -hmm. What what should we be looking for? Like what, what in our house, because I'm thinking of purging. When you say look around your house, I'm like, yeah, what do I throw away? But you're talking <laughs> about repurposing. Well, another great thing is if you should always check the expiry dates on certain things. Yeah. Like mascara, you're technically supposed to throw away every three months Get because, out. you know, eye health, it's very, very important. Yeah. Um, but things like certain powders, as long as moisture has not gotten to it, you, you can keep those for a lot longer than you probably think. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Wow. Uh, yeah. But, I wonder how many people know, even think about it, you know, shelf life. Yeah, and the great thing is, is there's websites out there that if you uh, put in the information on the barcode, I believe it is, on whatever product you have, it'll tell you when it was made, like the date it was made or the batch it was made, and how long you have until it'll expire. Mm. Or if it's already expired, because uh, God knows there's been so many times where I've taken a lipstick and been like, I've had this since the eighth grade. Should probably throw this out. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> Might do a study on that and see what really goes wrong. Okay. Yeah. So if we're going to do that, kind of look around, what are some ways to multi-use a product? One of the things I love to multi-use is eyeshadows because we know there's eyeshadows for every color, every finish, every texture. They don't just have to go on your eyes. I've used eyeshadows for a highlighter. Like, there's great, like, champagne-y, shimmery shades. Try them as a highlighter. Try them on the high points of your cheekbones. Try them on your eyes, obviously. But, like, the high points up where most people have eyebrows, I don't actually have eyebrows. I know it's a surprise. Uh, <laughs> you can use them on your nose. And then you can also take those more warm reds, pinks, and try them as blush. You don't have to run out and buy a whole new blush. You can try out that eyeshadow. See if you like that color. If you do. You could always go out and get a blush later, but you got one right there. I feel like I'm always the one here uh, talking about consistency, but I got to ask. So eyeshadows, bring me up to speed here, because the last time I touched an eyeshadow, it was like kind of powdery, right? Like it's, it's powder that is, um, it's not loose, but it's powdery still. So you got to use some of these brushes. Yeah. Does it have to be that way, first of all? And secondly, you know, do you want to take us through like what kind of consistencies there are and how we could use them in these other ways on your face? Of course. So uh, pressed eyeshadows are usually uh, mica, talc, and those eyeshadow pigments pressed really, really, really hard with a binding agent, which is usually something, you know, like glycerin, any sort of liquid. Alcohol is used a lot. Uh, to press it and keep it together and bind it. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll find that 
certain more affordable brands might be a little more powdery than say the the more expensive brands but i have had right. expensive brands that have been powdery to the point where i felt like an 1800s woman in the bathroom <laughs> they are super powdery <laughs> but uh great things for using these eyeshadows if you're using highlighters if you're not into you know something that's super blinding that you're going to see from space you might want just a few shades lighter than your foundation color or your skin color and that'll give you a real realistic looking highlight as if you have you know these carved cheekbones but sometimes you want to look like you came from the 90s and you went to electric circus mm -hmm. so you can use glitter glitter eyeshadows are great shimmery eyeshadows metallic eyeshadows all of those are great wow uh, if you even you mentioned blushes, electric circus yeah. is like wow <laughs> i told I you i'm a 500 a year old vampire <laughs> i've been around for a while <laughs> uh, sorry go ahead <laughs> no no you're good um so for contouring which is the act of adding shadows to your face i tend to try and keep this one down here a little in the shadows a little mystery here uh for my double chin uh, I like to also make it look like I'm David Bowie sometimes, so I will try to carve out those and sculpt those cheekbones. Wow. You know, our bone right there. Uh, and for those, you're not going to want something shimmery because shimmer brings light. We're trying to hide things. We're trying to shadow them. So a matte, which is something that is devoid of sh uh, shimmer, glitter, anything that's shimmery that will catch the light, that's not what we want for contour. I mean, you could do it but it's not going to work in your favor. So you want something matte, which is just no light, no, nothing blinding or eye-catching. It's just the color. And does it matter if it's light or dark, especially in comparison to what you're using with highlight? Uh, you definitely want it to be at least two to three shades darker, and you want something that is cool-toned. Because when we look at shadows, they're, they're black, they're gray, they're not right, orange. Right, You know? <laughs> So we want to make sure that, you know, if someone else is looking at us or if we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, we're not going, that's makeup. I know that's makeup. I know your tricks. You didn't trick me at all. We want to trick people with this makeup because that's the fun part, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, this is great. I, I'm, I'm so interested because I'm like, oh, I, I'm not really a fan or at least regularly put on eyeshadow, but uh, all the eyeshadow that I have, I feel like we could be using them in all these different ways. You can even mix them into a lip balm and make like a cool lipstick look. Huh. Like I have used eyeshadows to make body paint for Halloween. I've used eyeshadows. Oh my goodness. I, I owe eyeshadow a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What else can we be using um, or repurposing, repurposing, I guess? Yes. <laughs> when you're shopping like your you stash. Uh, moisturizers, you can mix that into a foundation and boom, you have a tinted moisturizer. You don't have to go out and get a BB cream. You don't have to go get a tinted moisturizer because that's all it is, is a sheared down foundation suspended in a moisturizer. So if you got your foundation, you got your moisturizer, you're good. Just mm. mix them together, try them out. You'll get a nice sheer wash of color. Nice. I love it. Uh, you mm -hmm. talked about blush. Is there anything else? I mean, I, I know that people go out and buy highlight, buy contour, uh, and things like that. Anything else you can use as blush? Uh, you can actually use lipstick for blush, but I would be careful to make sure it's not the long wear lipstick, like a liquid <laughs> lipstick. 
because then you're probably going to have dots all over your face. And unless you're going for that sort of, I'm going to the AGO look, then that would be great. But you want something that you can kind of massage in like a cream blush almost. So those sheerer lipsticks, those lip tints, those lip balms, your, your, your satiny lipsticks, those can actually work great as cream blushes. And just try it out. Make sure it doesn't stain first. So always check on the inside of your wrist. Put a little bit there. Look at it. Try to wash it off. If it doesn't come off, then you probably shouldn't be putting it on your cheeks. Unless you're, you know, I don't know, going on a 24-hour soul journey into the woods and you needed blush. I don't know. Yeah, when you come out, <laughs> you want to look interesting. good. Well, that's it. But it's fascinating when you talk about just being aware, aware, you know, like because of the little things we can get carried away, excited and trying this kind of thing out, repurposing, uh, like you say, uh, it's like that professor, let's mix this up and trying something exactly. different, which is nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, be just a be mad careful. scientist. Yeah, just <laughs> have fun with it. You already paid for it. You might as well see what you can get out of it, right? Like try different things. And plus, if you're doing it at home, you don't have to walk out the door and be like, look what I did to my face. You can look at your face and go, I didn't like this look and wash it right off. <laughs> That's right. I have done that myself. <laughs> Do it before you leave the house. Uh, you talked yeah. about expiry dates being an obvious and really crucial reason to actually throw away things. So are there mm -hmm. other reasons? Like, I mean, I'm thinking... Um, if I don't like the way something feels, especially when it comes to lipstick or mascara has been another one where I'm like, oh, this feels really thick on my eyelashes and mm -hmm. I'm not loving it. Um, things like that, you know, where what would be another reason to be like, maybe it's time to uh, drop this? Well, one of the great things is, especially if it's a newer product that you've just bought, a lot of places like Sephora, uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, I believe also does it. You can go and return that makeup and get your money back. You do not have to keep it, but you can also give it to a friend. If maybe it doesn't work for you, it might work for them. I know I've given makeup away that of course is not expired mm -hmm. uh, to people like my, my friends, my family, and they love it. Everybody's different, right? So a uh, mascara that might feel gloopy and too wet on someone might be the perfect mascara for me. But checking for expiry dates, uh, if it's not something that's brand new, um, is really crucial because you do not want bacteria to start growing on it because then you can get acne, mm -hmm. you can get uh, eye infections, you can get styes. It's it's the, the the ugly part of beauty, which is what can happen when things go wrong. Yeah. So always, if it seems like, hey, I've had, like I said, this lipstick since the eighth grade, Maybe I'm just going to keep it as a keepsake, put it in my makeup museum, as I call it, and it just never goes on my face ever again. <laughs> yeah, and, and understandable, and, and it is something, like you said, be wary, be careful, but have lots of fun. Bella, if people want to ask more questions, talk to you, how, how should they reach out to you? Of course. I have a Instagram at bella.strange.mua, stands for makeup artist. So feel free to write to me. I will answer any questions you need. I love helping people out. And awesome. I love being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on again. And I can't wait to see you guys again next month. You betcha. <laughs> and we promise next month there will be none of this happy, well, day for happy you. Happy February. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we should keep it going. We'll do it anyway. It'll be an inside joke. Yeah, in August. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Bella, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. 
All right. Have a great day, guys. Join Bella Strange on the second Tuesday of the month for, of course, makeup tutorials and tips. And today, full of a lot of that and how to repurpose Rumya. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Always as well, putting in a little bit of skincare into that because, as she said, the ugly side of makeup is if your skin mm. is not happy with the way that uh, the makeup is treating it. Taking another quick break and coming up after that is our collection segment with Karen McGee. She's going to talk about her collection of children's books. She's got a ton of those. We'll find out more on Kelly and Romeo. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Romeo return in a minute. You know, we did say that we're not going to do New Year's resolutions. Okay, I don't think we said it on air yet, but I said I'm not going to do New Year's resolutions. Kelly, you? Uh, no, I never do. Okay, Because great. then people hold you to that stuff. Don't do it. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Even if you make them, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but that's uh, right. I wanted to ask, though, is there anything that you might pick up, like a hobby or, you know, look into that collection that you've had and say, oh, I might add to that this year. Any of that? Maybe you spawned upon mostly... reflection? Or do the whole, I think I'll pick that back up. I think mm. I'll get back into the, I think I'll collect more of, you know, like the way you guys do with the reading books. But I know myself as an amateur radio operator, there's been those times where I haven't done a lot of it. I've really been out of it for a while now. But, you know, years where I'd stop, just not do as much and say, I'm going to do more hamming this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, that's right. And the book thing you're talking about is when uh, I've said I'm going to, probably read like x amount of books this year right like one book a month or two books a month or something like that and maybe oh, yeah. read more than what i've read last year but again that sounds maybe. like a resolution it's sounding very resolution well, at least read well, at least read harry potter two or yeah, three more times two or three times right? um a month yeah that that'll make it happen yeah. for sure but the reason why we bring this up is because on kelly and Rumia we have a monthly collection segment and this is on the second tuesday of every month and we explore the things that you're collecting and sometimes the hobbies that you've picked up as well uh, but especially with the con collections we love the sentiments and reasons and memories and stories behind them karen mcgee is our guest for today and she is going to talk to us about her children's book collection karen welcome Hi, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. And you have come on the show before. When we were Kelly and Company on AMI Audio Only, uh, you've talked about, I want to say a gazillion, but at least a handful of collections that you already have. So can you remind us of some of those? Oh, I think I've talked about spoons, mm -hmm. my spoon collection. Um, have I talked about the Toby Mug collection? No. Not yet. Great. No, Take no, notes no, for no. next time. Yeah. No, that's that what Rome is now jotting. Um, Buffy I think I've talked about Buffy Buffy comics. for sure. The retro video gaming. Yeah, I can check that off for mentioning Buffy for today. Um, so, yeah, I um, you're making me sound like I may hoard stuff, and no. I'm not saying I hoard stuff. These are valuable for our segments. Yeah, for your segments. <laughs> now, I was just going to say, <laughs> there's that level of just filling content. Well, no, it's a little beyond that. It's valuable content. It is, because whenever we get talking, and, and even if I think, like, geez, I don't really know if I have much to lend to Buffy, but I think back to when my mother watched it. We had a great conversation yeah. in, in that aspect, just because, and of course, the books, the, uh, just the, the way that people, I find, collect things so fascinating. What are they going to do with it? How are they going to store it? What do you have on tap for us today? 
So we mentioned children's books. So these are not necessarily picture books for kids. We're talking Nancy Drew and Lucy Mum Montgomery. And we're talking books as old as I can find. So I'm holding up here one of the um, Nancy Drew books. And it's got a silhouette of Nancy Drew with her microscope. And this is the, um, the message in the hollow oak. But what's unique about them is I think a lot of people are used to the ones that have the yellow covers and have the picture on them. This is a blue cloth cover. And it smells oh like an old book. Goodness. And there's a name for it. Do you wow. know the name for when it smells like an old book? No. It's, no, Biblios, right. it's Biblios Mia. And that's Biblios the smell Mia. of the paper sort of starting to disintegrate. And as I take a sniff, that, but there's that smell, right? You walk in a library. I love that smell. So do I. So there's nothing like holding a book. These books, I used to read them like they were going out of style, whether it was from the library or when I would beg my mother um, can we buy one when we go to Kmart? They were my favorite Christmas present was books. It's still getting books for Christmas. Um, there are I have boxes of Nancy Drew books in the basement. And I did look up on eBay what these would sell for, some of them. Um, and so I've got ones that are from 1946 and on. So Nancy Drew started in 1930. Um, there was a pseudonym for the writer. Um, his name, the guy who came up with the ideas was Edward Stratemeyer and his daughter helped come up with some of the outlines of the books, but they were most, they were started to be written by a Mildred Worst Baron. And so they started off as a 16 year old detective and she actually, they aged her in the 1950s up to 18. So I have two books here. I have one um, that's the hidden staircase and it's one that's from 1946 or past. And I have one of the yellow covered ones, same title, same story, totally different writing. The wow. chapters are different. The hmm. um, what happens, it has the same result at the end. Nancy solves the mystery. I mean, I don't want to spoil any of the books for you, but Nancy always solves the mystery. But I can remember as a kid, like finding out there was a same story, same book, same title, different story, and that blew my mind. So I, I started to collect the what they call the blue cover ones as opposed to the picture ones. Um, I would read these with my nightlight when I was a child, far later into the night than I was supposed to. Um, I, as I, I sit and listen, I can hear my mother go, Karen, go to bed. Yeah, I'm, I'm in bed, but lying in front of like the nightlight with oh, yeah. the book open reading. I could devour these books like no tomorrow. And I'd reread them. They're like old friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kel's still like um, old friends. Yeah, Rumi, that's back anything. in the era when they started to come out with don't read in poor lighting. All these people, you know, that's so right. No, no. Uh, I just want to say about the bookstores, by the way, you know, the other smell that's mixed with those places and those pages you were talking about, Karen, is just generally they're in older places. They've been stacked there until people find those nuggets digging through stuff. So you get the smell of the wood as well that is well worn, uh, mixed with the book, and it, it has a, a smell unlike any other. I remember when we were at the blind school. Um, we would generally read the Hardy Boys, but my dad, when I was a kid, enjoyed reading to me the Nancy Drew series, and uh, you know even up to when they had the, you know the, the the you know the the guys they had the boys they dated that kind of thing as they got a little older and you know it, in the series I don't remember a lot of them I remember the Hidden Staircase one just really in title um, had no recollection of the fact that there were different stories. What I'm trying to remember, because it was such a different era for kid, kids' books, did they have other stories in the books? We would only read the, the Nancy Drew story, but and I, I might be mixing it up, the Alfred Hitchcock Three Investigators series, which is one that my, my dad and I read a lot, uh, and over and over again, Ramya, so there you go. But they had other stories, shorter stories in those. I think the Nancy Drews and Hardy Boys were all 
just that story that you were reading, right? They were all one, all from the same publisher, Gossip and right. Duncan. I'd have to look in the book to look it up, I believe. Um, and they were all written with the same idea. The Hardy Boys, the Bobsy Twins. There was Trixie Belden as part of that as well. I don't remember if Cherry Ames, the student nurse, was part of that series as well. But they were all written by like pseudonyms. There was no real uh, Franklin W. Dixon, I believe, was the Hardy Boy author. Yeah, I've actually got some right. of those. I didn't pull them out of the storage for this. Um, and it's, it's one story book, but it, it's all like um, Nancy and they're, her They're almost like spinoffs, weren't they? Mm. Like not... Yeah, not necessarily connected, but they were Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. I, I, there was some kind of connection between they, the two. They were in the almost same like universe. Almost like they created, right? Okay. Right. I'm going to say the same universe. I'm using air quotes. Um, yeah. The WB, is it WB? Is that still around? One of the networks has put out a yep. um, a series, a Nancy Drew series and a Hardy Boys series, and they'll like interact occasionally in it. It's much darker, not children's series, I would say, no. that they have on. It's no. a... I was a little shocked when I watched the first episode and then immediately... But the 70s that. Hardy Boys were a little like that too, weren't they? A bit darker with um, Sean Cassidy or David? I get them uh, mixed up. One of the Cassidy's, right? One of the Cassidy's. I can't remember which one. I can remember watching that once in a while too. But the, yeah. they've, they've had movies. Like, there was a movie Sean, in the 1940s, Sean. 40s, 1940s with, the, with Nancy Drew. Like They'll catch it on the... Turner classic movies will play it once in a while. Mm. Um, she was a, she was a cultural icon. I mean, it was a young woman doing things like she would go on trips by herself, and which is why they actually aged her in the fifties, um, aged her up to eighteen. She started off being sixteen because they decided the publishers decided that sixteen year old girls wouldn't be allowed to drive around the car and go on vacations to places like Scotland and California. Well then, a roadster, a roadster. roadster. Yeah, a roadster. She drove in a roadster, right? A roadster. And I guess now there's ones that they came out in the 90s where she's got like credit cards left, right, and center, and cell phones. And wow. And, uh, but it, it's a classic character that has, you know, followed, started these in the 1930s. And she's still in pop culture today. So you, you can't go wrong with that. No. And, and they had to upgrade her, of course, with the times. But you said you were collecting the blue covers. So how many of these do you have? You said boxes and boxes. I would, yeah, I'd say more than 40. And I find them at flea markets. Um, their value, like I said, look on eBay, their value is anywhere from $5 to $45 a book, depending on the year and the condition of it. Mm. Yeah. So like some of the ones I, I have are actually... Go ahead. What I find interesting too is, of course, I'm a fan of all that old stuff, Mike Hammer and all the detective things like that. But these, these characters, because they want to, and they do appeal to kids of a certain age, but it's also decade by decade. So you start adding things like you talked about, about the cell phone stuff and then But even as I remember reading them, th they use different terms. The Roadster became just a car and stuff like that as time went on because the books were, as time went on, they knew going to appeal to people uh, when they were written in the 50s, kids in the 60s, 70s and so on. Right. And, and it's interesting that you know, as these things were written, and because nobody referred to the Roadster by by then, it was it was an out of date car, um, and and it's really interesting because you would just drop that. It's sort of like when we look at soap operas, and suddenly a four year old is 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 fifteen. It, it, they just adapted, like you said, Karen changing her to eighteen and making it more plausible, as opposed to whoa whoa. Uh, we have to remember that sixteen year olds in the thirties, twenties, now life was different. And, you know, people were driving cars barely with, without licenses. They were just, it was, you, yeah, can you drive a car? Yep, go ahead. 
in the car she well the, when i started reading them with the sort of the yellow books that a lot of people are used to uh she was driving a red convertible and she's the reason that i have always wanted a red convertible. oh wow so That's any sick. other books uh other than the nancy drews the hardy boys um you said ella montgomery you were collecting her lucy mom montgomery you can't go wrong with anna green gables mm -hmm. and i think last year for christmas not this past year but the year before i read one of the christmas stories um, my mom got me the love for this. These books used to sit on my grandmother's bookshelf. Um, they belonged, like one of them here. So these are from the late 1930s. This one's from 1937. I think it was originally published in the early 30s. I, I don't know if you can see it, but it says to Gilbert, Christmas 1937. That was my great uncle. So these have been passed oh, wow. down to me. Oh, um, wow. I am. That was my point with hope collecting the Nancy Drew books too. Is I was hoping to have books mm. to pass down to my children. I've never been able to have children. I'm hoping my youngest niece now will have an interest in these. And this one here, which is um, Anne of the Island, that's my mom's sort of grade school signature in there. My mom passed away in 2009, so I treasure this because it mm -hmm. has her signature. And again, they're the cloth covered books with that smell, and there's a little bit of the the there's the texture like the edges of the books aren't even and there's a word for that which i totally forgot and i can't remember um dec deckled they're deckled edges so there's a little bit of roughness to them um mm. i also have some that my brother gave me for christmas one year and my brother was a university student and he found them at a flea market and they're that is still one of my favorite christmas gifts like ones i didn't have for my collection some yeah. Lucy right yeah books. yeah wow. but the old like not the new ones like I've, I've got them in paperback to read when i'm going to be like traveling or something if i lose them i don't care i've got them on my phone um, yeah, I guess I'm still a child at heart, maybe. Uh, I just love to be nostalgic. I think that yeah, the nostalgia. No, and I, talking to you reminds me. I think that's it, Ramya. Yeah. The nostalgia of the family, too, that have given that's you what it or is. you, like in my case, read along with. Because for me, like, I can't, I don't collect books. I've never been able to read, uh, you know, well enough phys with physical books that I was collecting mm -hmm. them. But um, my mom has bookshelves and bookshelves and bookshelves of so many books. And she, like, we could have a collection segment with her because she could talk about all the sentimentality uh, that she has with her books and things that she's brought here to Canada from Sri Lanka and gifted books. And um, like you're saying, you know, something that has a signature or a note from someone who's passed away that she's like that's why I love this so it's so beautiful that you keep all these but I'm curious do you know what your oldest book is it's got to be it's some of the Lucy Mom Montgomery runs from the early 30s I really should do a proper inventory every once in a while I take pictures just in case anything ever happens to the house um, I mean I know they're not worth like mm -hmm. a whole lot but it's, it's and none of them I, there's a couple of the less known books of, of Lucy Mel Montgomery's that are like first edition, but they weren't big sellers. So there's not a lot of, it, it's not about the, as I talk about the money, it's not all about the money for me. Like I said, it's the sentimentality. It's like my mom held this book. My great uncle held this book. Um, and I'm sure like you were saying around me with your mother, I'm sure there's books that she treasures because she read them to you. Yeah. And that was a shared experience that, you know, means a lot going forward. And, you know, it's the sentimentality of, you know, I, I, like I said, I never had kids, but, I would have loved to have been able to pass these on to them. So, like, if anybody wants books, <laughs> I'm sure my husband what, would appreciate me getting some of the boxes out of the house. Getting rid of that. So there's, like, a whole room worth of space left. Um, did you notice that back then there were more of those second releases or whatever that had the differences in the stories in others, like in the, you know, um, Anna Green Gable stuff or any of that content? Or was it primarily the Nancy Drew that of the stuff you've read where you found all those kind of, hey, man, hold on, I read this before, but I don't remember this. 
it was it was a lot of the books that were started in the 30s where the series sort of continues on that they did the the rewrites and there'll be a little note in right. some of the fronts of the books that say this book has been rewritten from the original version um with the Anna Green Gables books, I think what they've done is they've made younger children versions of it. So you can get like, ah, I, I, yes. I don't know if this is for sure, but you can get um, like Anne's first day of school or something like that. I don't know if that's an actual title, but they'll have like little condensed versions, picture books for kids. So they can get introduced to the characters at a younger age. I mean, Anna Green Gables is iconic worldwide. Yeah. Um, so they have, I, I, I don't, don't want to say they've been rewritten, but they've been released in a way that is appropriate for kids, like little shortened versions, so that by the time you get to, I mean, I started reading these books probably when I was in grade two or three. I love to read, so I read a lot. Um, and younger than that, you get the kids' interest in the topic. There's also a Buffy kids book too, just FYI, sorry. Threw the Buffy back in there. Second Buffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love First it. First day of school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it all in boxes, Karen? Do you have books out? I have some of them out. I take out the ones that were from um, my mom's, like my grand when, from my mom's family. I take those out and make sure I know where they are. Um, right. It's just a matter of I don't have a place to put them in our house. I dream of a house someday with built-in bookshelves. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. You've read too many Nancy Drew books where they have the libraries and stuff in these homes. And there's something hidden behind the bookshelf. <laughs> That's right. That would be my there's dream. a lever, right, that'll swing it out just next to the staircase that swings out with the passageway that goes to there's, the deep There's a house in Morseburg that has one of those. I got a tour oh, yeah. of it a couple of Christmases, Christmases ago, and it's a secret passageway behind a bookcase that goes up to the attic. I'm That's wild. Mm. All right, Karen, so we've taken notes. Uh, that wraps this discussion, but you'll be back because there's still more collections. You mentioned some today. It's the hoarding in me. <laughs> you know where to find me. We, yeah, exactly. We won't call it that on this segment, though. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Why, you'll get that collection going, too. Yeah, exactly. Karen McGee <laughs> joining us for collections and hobbies, in parentheses. We uh, follow all of that here on this second Tuesday of the month segment. And um, it's always nice talking to Karen because she's a oh, bookworm. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's a serious exactly. bookworm. Yeah. We're going to take a break and come back, wrap up the show, find out what's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Now with Dave Brown and on Kelly and Ramia. Lots ahead still, even in the next couple seconds. Whew. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Wrapping up the show here on AMI, this is Kelly and Ramia. I'm Ramia Amuthan, Kelly McDonald over there in London, Ontario. And we love shouting out all these different amazing shows available on AMI. AMI Audio Podcast specifically, there's a ton going on there. The Neutral Zone, which you can check out with Brock Richardson, who we chatted with yesterday, and the gang talking sports. This week, uh, the panel is discussing the idea of inclusivity in Combining the Paralympic and Olympic Games into one event. Think about that. And the pros and mm -hmm. cons of doing it this way. So I wonder what they got to say about it. You can check it out on the Neutral Zone. Airs Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, so just a bit earlier today. But of course, if you missed it, you can check out the podcast and the video podcast available on YouTube. 
Now, speaking of podcasts, you can reflect on Kelly and Rumia by visiting your favorite podcast platform as well and checking out our content. Kelly, any reflections from today that people can check out? Oh, good heavens. You know, I always love collections hobbies because I love learning and hearing about stuff. And especially since it's not something you're into, so it's almost like, well, sell me on it. Tell me about it. Um, but today, I got to relive reading with my dad and all the great stuff in those uh, Nancy Drew books over at the Blind School at W. Ross when the staff would read the Hardy Boys to us. So that was beautiful. But I think today I really want to give a nod to the work that, as usual, our uh, veterinarian brought to the table with some very interesting tips and stories about animals doing really cool uh, agility kind of things, but also thinking things. Just so many very unique stories there. Check that out if you're a, a, an animal fan in any capacity, you'll like that. Yeah. How about for you? That was really cool. The um, really cool. The uh, conversation about uh, can't remember what creature she mentioned, but living with beluga whales and just thinking like, oh my god, the unlikely the friends. Yeah. Yes, the norwals. Yep. Yep. In the water, you know, and she said uh, she's not a biologist per se, but um, <laughs> it's just fascinating thinking about these. And we go through our cat and dog videos pretty often at my house, but it's nice to hear about creatures. Um, in some other regimes. Uh, also, I really loved our conversation with Bella Strange about, she called it shopping your stash, which is basically repurposing some of these skincare products and the makeup products that you have already at your home, because this whole new year, new you thing doesn't necessarily mean that you gotta go out and find more things to spend money on. So go mm. through what you own already, Please throw away anything that's expired. <laughs> Take care of your skin and try out yes. some of the cool things you mentioned. Be careful, yeah. but have fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Always a fun time once a month with Bella Strange. Now, um, let's talk about tomorrow's edition of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV, airing 9 a.m. Eastern time with your host, Dave Brown. One of the producers is Paul Daniel for that show, and he's here to give us a bit of a preview. Hey, Paul. Hey, Rania. On tomorrow's show, as January is Braille Literacy Month, Dave will be speaking with uh, Natalina Martiniello, past president of Braille Literacy Canada, to discuss the state of Braille in 2023, particularly in this digital age. Melina Kasanovichus, our community reporter in Halifax, will discuss the process she's going through right now in training her new guide dog, Hope. What a great name for a dog. Mm -hmm. And, contributor, and our contributor, Anna Paula, will discuss the growing urgency of elder care in this, in this country, what it means, and how do we go about doing it and ensuring the dignity of wow. those we're, try we're trying to help. Thank you, Paul. Great preview, and I'm really looking forward to those conversations. Braille Literacy Month, something to celebrate for sure, especially in this mm -hmm. day and age with all the support. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Paul Daniel, one of the producers, as I said, on Now with Dave Brown. You can catch their show at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. Cows, we got lots coming our way at 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of the show. Uh, talking about how half of us, 50%, maybe plus, of people are looking for new jobs at the start of the year. That is very interesting. I wonder if it's uh, scary or frustrating or all these other things. But we're going to talk. No, me? I thought you were the half. Well, it's 50%. <laughs> Yeah, I thought right? you were the 50%. New year. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. We'll find out oh. which one uh, as we talk to our friends from Robert Half Canada tomorrow. I uh, am really interested. Kevin Shaw is going to join us. Folks can catch him over on Now with Dave Brown as well. But he's going to be talking to us about something that he has been involved in for quite a while, entrepreneurship.
Um, he'll tell us a little bit about him. We'll get his story and see how he has evolved his life to be involved in entrepreneurship. Why? And how many of us out there, as we start a series with Kevin discussing this, uh, really learning about how many people, especially in the disability world, turn to entrepreneurship, Ramya. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, so many of us in the day of side gigs have other things going on mm. for us and we're trying to make our moolah. So as people with disabilities, <laughs> we want to know what our advantage is, right? Yeah, you got to find it somewhere, that Absolutely. advantage, right? Kels, we'll be back tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday afternoon. Well, on Monday, we hit the ground running. So it's been a while since we spoke. Let's catch you up. We took four weeks off of the show, concluded. We pre-recorded our Christmas show as the last of the Kelly and Company series. And it worked really well. So pleased with the talent. We were very pleased with our last week of Kelly and Company. Uh, of course, we were trying to use up vacation days. So a little hit and miss here. But all in all, wow. What a run. Now into the Kelly and Rumya stage of our lives, and meaning television being added to that component. We've said it before. I will say it really brief once more. We plan to keep the same routine as much as possible in the way of what you get on the program. The same feel, the same attitude, the amazing contributors and community reporters, but mostly the inclusiveness of the show having its company, you out there, Every contributor, every community reporter, backup co-host, and of course, the main team and those who have joined our team in the control room. Things are amazing in there, by the way. I am looking forward to the day I can watch them do our show from inside the control room. Not really sure how that'll happen or how that would work. I think they'd say it'd have to be in two places at the same time. But those guys really working their tails off and presenting for the TV audience something different and and uh, trying to get us to where we wanted the show to be. I mean, folks, this took a couple of years of planning, putting things together, and some of the things that we wanted, we, we, we just at this time can't get there. And maybe some of you noticed, maybe you don't, because our main goal was to keep the main Kelly and company show as Kelly and Rumya all the same. Changing the name, rebranding the show, and having new toys to play with if we could. Yeah, doing the show from our homes, but having that beautiful space at AMI when one of us is there or one of our contributors or guests uh, want to be in the studio and we can get them in there. Making sure that the control room people had everything possible and state-of-the-art stuff to work with to make Now With Day Brown and our program fantastic, plus whatever future plans they do with live programming. Having a live show division now operating. Did it come with frustrations? Oh, sure. During the rehearsal periods, we're told this is the way it normally is new to us. I mean, I've done TV work, but new launching something like this. 
Um, but we had it from the powers that be, guys. This is normal. You know, we're sorry. It's stressful. We're sorry some things happen that can't be avoided. Um, let's just work our way through it all. Had positive dress rehearsals, positive feedback, and really amazing watching it come together, watching us adapt, watching the, the, the control room team grow as they get to know each other and get to rely on each other and work with each other day to day, just like us. That team getting better and better, stronger and stronger, and just really uh, awe-inspiring. And like I say, a wonderful thing to watch. So we move into the chapter. Day one went really well, we felt. I don't really know what our expectation was except to get through the show and be happy with the product and feel that good show feeling. You can't feel that every day. You're never going to have it, no matter how long you're doing it. Every day there's going to be, oh man, I could have done that better. Oh, I wish that hadn't happened to us. But hopefully to you out there enjoying the program as a podcast, uh, that it feels the same. If you catch us live or one of the repeats on TV or on AMI-audio, which we are blessed to be carried on both, hopefully it feels the same to you and growing and getting better. Thank you for being with us. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.